many of you are here? Would you raise your hand? I don't know everybody. I don't know your name. So if you would, on the count of three, just scream out your first name. One, two, three. I didn't get you, sir. For the sake of time, let's jump right into what I want to talk to you about. I know you're hungry. I hear your stones growling. It's going to be in the book of Matthew, the inaugural message of Jesus Christ. When kings or presidents or leaders first take office, they... They have an inaugural address, and they explain what things will be normal in the kingdom or the administration. And in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 is the inaugural address of Jesus Christ, explaining what is normal in the kingdom of heaven. And beginning in verse number 3, he uses the word blessed. It is actually a plural word that means happiness is plural. And so in every aspect of your life, and, and we've got folks here who've been around the block. Uh, we've got one young person here at Landon who has pointed that out to us very graphically. <laughs> uh, you, you have, you've lived life. You have, you've been places. You've served in the military. You have built businesses. You have built families. And now those families are gone building families of their own. And maybe you even moved out of your big house that your big family lived in at one time and you've downsized to a small house now and you're just enjoying the sunrises and the sunsets of, of life in these days. And so when Jesus used analogies about his people, he didn't use random analogies. He didn't just pick something out of the air. When he compared his people to entities in the world, for instance, uh, you're the light of the world. Well, if you'll study the background of of what he said and the history of light and the meaning of light, it just, it's an incredible analogy. He uses in what we're going to look at this morning, salt, sodium chloride. It's a combination of two very poisonous chemicals, as a matter of fact, sodium and chlorine. Combine them chemically, and they both will kill you by themselves, but you can combine those chemically and put it on your grits and eat it without any problem whatsoever. And so in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, uh, for instance, in verse 3, happy or blessed are the poor in spirit. Now that sounds like a cheery beginning for an administration, doesn't it? But uh, words mean things. And the message of the Bible is embedded in its language. And so Jesus has said in verse number 3, happy are the empty of self. How true that is. When I am empty of my own agendas and my own values and I'm a, you know, allow the Lord to fill me with his agenda and his values, that brings happiness to me. Now, uh, look at another cheerful on the surface sounding verse in verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. And he's referring to mourning over your personal sin account. When I commit sin against someone I love, that should break my heart. I need to make that right, specifically with God. Now, we're going to skip through these for the sake of time. We'll go down to verse number 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It doesn't mean that one day we go to heaven, we're going to see God. That's not what he's referencing here. Blessed are the pure. When you have pure orange juice, what do you have? Just orange juice. Nothing mixed with it. And so blessed are the unmixed in heart, for they shall see as God sees, is the reference here. And so when my heart is pure, I see people differently than I did while my heart was not pure. I see people that I don't like in a different way. 
I see people that disagree with me in a different way. Amen. I see them the way God sees them when our heart is pure. Now, verses 3 through 11 are all the blessed are ye if this and this and this. If these are conditions that are present in our lives, that produces what we're going to talk about today, and that's in verse number 13. You're the salt of the earth. Only if these present conditions mentioned in verses 3 through 11 are present in my life, can I say, I'm the salt of the earth. And so he says in verse number 13, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor or its flavor, wherewithal shall it be salted or resalted, it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Salt is one of the most abundant minerals in the world. It's the only rock we eat, as a matter of fact. We do have some recorded Chinese documents that go back some 4,700 years that explain the extraction of salt from the ground. These people were pioneers in this. They would drive a bamboo shaft down in the ground. The salt water would come up, and they would uh, boil it out and... and uh, and make salt for some 14,000 uses. Yeah, there are 14,000 uses for salt. Everything from softening your water to sprinkling it on your grits and everything in between, preserving meat, although maybe some of you in here have done that in the course of your life, salted down a ham and uh, it pulls the water out of the cells and, and hardens. It gets hard as Japanese arithmetic if you've ever done that. You've got to beat the casing off uh, with a hammer to get to, to the salt meat. But uh, the Romans built massive salt works. As a matter of fact, history tells us that they, they paid their soldiers with bags of salt. That's uh, the word salarium is where we get the word salary from. And you've ever heard the term, uh, he's not worth his salt? Well, this means he's not worth the money you pay him. And so on the Mediterranean caravan route, at one point, salt traded ounce for ounce with gold. It was called white gold, as a matter of fact, uh, one period in history. And um, it, was, it has been so valuable through history that countries have fought. They've gone to war over access to salt flats and salt deposits, which I find pretty amazing. And uh, the most common non-metallic mineral in the world is salt. And in your body, as a matter of fact, we have two oceans of salt. You've got an ocean of salt outside the cells and an ocean of salt inside the cells. And if this is, if this is not maintained in proper balance, you can die. You remember there was a young lady just a few years ago, uh, her name was Jennifer Strange, and she entered a contest to not go to the bathroom, and it was called Hold Your Wee for a Wee. Remember the game uh, console that uh, used to be very popular? And uh, so she drank a lot of water and washed the salt out of her cells and she died of a condition called hyponatremia. So you've got to have salt in proper balance or you don't live very long. As a matter of fact, in, uh, in centuries past, Chinese nobility, if someone in their family wanted to commit suicide, of course, as a as a nobleman in China, you had, to commit your, you had to commit suicide in a very noble fashion, and they would eat one pound of salt, and in just a few hours, they were graveyard dead. Because hyponatremia will, will kill you, take your life. And so, salt is absolutely essential to our life, to our culture. As a matter of fact, we have a lot of salt reserves in the United States. It has been estimated that we here in the United States 
we have 55 million metric tons of salt, enough salt to last us for the next 100,000 years at our current rate, which I don't think we're going to last that long, but at least we'll have salt to the end uh, of, uh, of whatever time we do have left. But Jesus referred to us in these verses, and by the way, this is not a compliment, you're the salt of the earth. It's an assignment. Amen. Okay? And Jesus has given us these blessed are you if this and this and this and this and this. If these things are present in your life, that produces salt. And that's what you are in this world. And, and so let's just, and for the sake of time, let me just give you a few things about salt. And we're going to go eat because I know you're hungry. All right? Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. Now, several things that salt does. Number one, it flavors. There are some foods that you do not eat without salt. What are some of those foods? Grits. Grits, one of them. Exactly. Watermelon. Okay. Greens. Uh, tomatoes. I mean, it's just, it just goes with that. It doesn't change the flavor. It enhances the flavor. And um, it makes food more palatable. I mean, honestly, eating grits without salt is like kissing your sister. You know what I'm saying? Uh, why would you do that? But you know, why would you do grits without salt? But it flavors things. And uh, Christians have this impact. And, and let me just say to I've, I've known a number of people in this room basically all my life. And I'm grateful for the impact that you've had on me and my family. You have flavored me. You have flavored the churches of which you are a member. We've got pastors that can stand and give testimonies of the influence and impact that you have had on your church and on your family members and on your workplace and in your community and in your culture. So thank you for the flavor of Christ that you've added to your world during your lifetime. And so salt flavors. I'm grateful for the flavor of Christianity in the United States. This will be a tasteless world. Without the presence. Could you imagine? Without Christianity. Ladies, you know you've been treated like dirt and dogs throughout history. You were property. You were sold. You were killed. You were traded for horses. You were traded for every kind of, of farm instrument that was needed until... Jesus Christ arrived on the scene and he raised and elevated the position of women like the world had never seen. He blew the minds of the Hellenistic culture and this is one of the things that he did that the Hellenistic culture simply could not comprehend and that is to think that a woman was equal to a man in value because the world did not believe that. And so, ladies, thank you for the flavor that you have added to your home. Thank you for the, for the flavor that you've added to your family and, and to your churches. And so we're to be welcomed wherever we go because of the flavor. They, a, a Christian should be the most welcome individual because of the flavor of forgiveness, kindness, courtesy, graciousness. These are flavors that should, should follow us wherever we go in our lives. And so... Thank you for doing that. Number two, it preserves. The way salt preserves, it attracts water. I was uh, reading recently, if you drown in fresh water, it's different than if you drown in salt water. 
If you drown in salt water, the, the salt water gets in your lungs and immediately pulls blood out of your cells and you drown in your own blood. I didn't know that. Now, when you, how many of you have, have preserved meat with salt? Anybody, your, your father, your grandfather, you know what I'm talking about? You pack it in salt and it, it pulls, and it takes several weeks to do that, but it'll pull the water out of the, uh, of the meat and it won't need, it won't spoil that way. Now, one of the things that salt does, it preserves, and I'm telling you this, and I'm preaching to the choir here, the United States has lasted longer than any other nation because of the presence of God's people. We are the oldest constitutional republic in the history of the world. And I think it is directly attributable to God's people. And those who have clung tenaciously to the truths of the Bible that, yes, have been embedded into our founding documents, both of them. And so... Uh, it preserves. As a matter of fact, if you have fleas, if you have a flea problem in your carpet, you know how to If you will sprinkle salt in that carpet and leave that salt in that carpet for about a week, those fleas will eat that salt and it'll drop their blood and kill them. So you can get rid of fleas uh, by sprinkling salt on it. And so we have we have a moral preservative. Now, right now, as a matter of fact, on Wednesday nights, we're we're walking through a study of competing worldviews. And we're taking a look at the various worldviews and we're going to look tomorrow night at uh, this, uh, the, the, I guess the latest, y'all heard of the New Age movement. Well, that, that word doesn't even exist anymore. It's uh, New Spiritualist. And so New Spiritualism has sort of taken the place of this idea of, of New Age. And I'm telling you, we live in a culture here. I'm not talking about some third world developing nation. I'm talking about here in the United States, we, uh, we live in a culture that moral values are declining as far as objective moral values are concerned. Those boundaries are being erased so that every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. Nothing new about this at all. Nothing new. This is the way we've always lived life. And so because of the presence, you take any, any group of people, and if you introduce biblical morality to that group, you're going to see them raised in every aspect of their culture, financially, family-wise, agriculturally, militarily, because God is attracted to that group of people that honors His Word. That's exactly what happened in the United States in 1787 when our founders got together in Pennsylvania. I'm telling you, God was waiting on a Bible-believing people to pour his blessings into. And for the first time, all of these principles of guidance and all of these principles that were harvested out of the Bible were coalesced into a document and hammered into a founding document. And that's one reason liberals hate the Constitution of the United States. Because it ties us directly to our God. And so salt preserves. It's a preservative. Now, something else it does. It'll sting an open wound. You ever got salt in a cut? You know, I mean, it'll, it will set you on fire. And uh, that's happening right now. We're being, yes. we're being denied right. our right to exercise our faith. Amen. It's being, we're being told, and this is, this is coming from official positions, privatize your faith. I read the other day a quote 
one of the uh, congressmen in Washington said, be as crazy as you want in your church buildings. Just don't take it out into the culture. You know, that's like, that's like telling a doctor, you know, be as, be as crazy as you want in, in giving medicines to people that will take care of some major disease, but don't get it out in the general public. You know, you, you want to take care of that in your office. I'm telling you, the medicine that will heal what our problems are in this country is the Bible. That's, that is what we need to do. And so it will absolutely sting. And so when you, as a, as a Christian, as a, a mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, you may have arguments with your family members over things like gay marriage and abortion and, and all these types of issues. I, it doesn't matter if they're a family member or not. With love, stand for truth. Amen. That will sting family members. That will sting possibly fellow church members. That will sting people on the job or in the neighborhood. I'm aware of that. But what can you do? Nothing. So we can't change the truth. It's the most powerful force in the world. You have lived this truth for decades. We're talking about a mature audience here, okay? And you know better than anyone what the value of, of living and becoming a living translation of the truths of the Bible is not only to you individually, but to your family, and to your church. We need people like you to be duplicated. By the way, where is the next generation? Amen. Who's going to follow us? So we've got the baton in our hands right now. But somebody's got to be behind us. And that's our responsibility is to reach this millennial generation who is in droves walking away from Bible preaching and Bible teaching. They're, they're finding new things to believe. Salt preserves. Wherever Paul went, he created a problem. But you understand that wasn't his goal. His goal was, you know, I'm going I'm to go in and just show them how spiritual I am. I'm going to just create some problems. He didn't do that. You see, you can put medicine on with a cotton ball or a steel brush. I'd much rather you put it on with a cotton ball. Let the medicine do the work. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to get up and make a fool of myself in the pulpit to preach the truth. You know, I don't need to do that. And so when you're, when you're witnessing to your family, your friends, your coworkers, or neighbors, or whatever, just simply let the Bible do the work. And that brings me to my last point. Salt creates thirst. Yes. There's some foods that I can eat that I'll be thirsty for two weeks. <laughs> Shrimp, one of them. Uh, eat anything, any, any seafood, and I'll just stay thirsty for a while because salt dries up water. Now, there's an old expression that I've heard all my life. You can drive a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Yes, you can. <laughs> Feed him salt. <laughs> we, got we had horses when we lived in Kissimmee. We had four horses. And uh, we put salt block out. And, you know, you look out the kitchen window, and there they were. Well, they be working on that salt block. And in just a few minutes, they'd throw that head up. And their nostrils would be big as coffee cups. And you could hear them blowing. And actually, they were smelling. And you know what they were trying to find? water, which we also had a trough of. 
I never once had to drive them to water. All I had to do was feed them salt. Why are people being attracted to the water of life in our culture? And I submit to you it's because a lot of God's people have lost their flavor. The salinity of our testimony has been diminished, been watered away. And so as long as my testimony is salty, I'm going to create thirst in somebody's life. And when, when, the, when the thirst is created, there's the open door for me to introduce them to the water of life. But you know, salt can lose its flavor. That's right. It did in Roman times. And what, what the Romans would do when the salt would lose its flavor, they'd take it out into their significant road system and fill up potholes so that men literally trod over useless salt. You see, what you had, when you had a pile of salt that didn't have any flavor to it, it was useless as currency. Now, you had a lot of it, but it wasn't worth anything. That was inflation. Inflation is not when you don't have any money. Inflation is when you got a lot of money, so it's not worth anything. And so they would take the salt because there was no way to resalt it. No way to, to make it salty and you know have the, the salinity content raised. There's no way to do that. So they just would throw it out and fill up the holes in the Roman road system and men would walk on it because it's good for nothing. Now, in Matthew, Jesus just simply says to us, uh, Jesus tells me, number one, you're going to be happy if you and he listed in verses 3 through 11. If these become the things that are common in your life and the way you live your life, that's going to create the saltiness of your testimony. And I dare say that there are people sitting in this room this morning that you have been, quite possibly, the only source of salt in your family for years. Don't quit praying for lost children or grandchildren. There was a French philosopher in the 1800s by the name of Chateaubriand. And Chateaubriand claimed to be a Christian until his early 20s when he walked away from it and became very, very adamantly opposed to Christianity. Wrote books opposing Christianity. He had a very godly mother by the name of Apolline. And Apolline prayed for her son for many years, and then she died. His sister, Lucille, took a letter that his mother had written before she passed away, and she brought it to Chateaubriand and said, Mama has died, and she wants you to read this letter. Well, he read the letter and read that Mom had been praying for him, and, and <coughs> nothing happened. And shortly after that, his sister Lucille died. The lady that delivered the letter passed away. And that broke Chateaubriand's heart. Gave his heart to Jesus Christ and became a vocal, vocal supporter of his new faith. As a matter of fact, Chateaubriand wrote one of the most famous books in Christian literature called The Genius of Christianity. Because her mother didn't quit praying. I don't know what you're family situation is right now with your children or your grandchildren or nieces or nephews. 
Let me just encourage you. Keep bringing their name before the Lord. Amen. Let's be salty. Amen. I don't know of a time in American history that the saltiness of God's people is more needed than it is right now. That's right. Folks, we're about to lose this country. But we know that's exactly what the Bible says is going to happen. We're aware of that. You've read Ezekiel. You've read Daniel. We'll lose our borders. We'll lose our constitution. It's going to happen. I look for two things to happen in the next five years. Number one, I think the Constitution will be declared unconstitutional. And number two, Christianity is going to be legally declared a hate group. Now you watch and see. And it's at those times when the pressure is poured on us, those members of our churches that run for the hills never did have a commitment. Right. Right. It's those that stay when the temperature is turned up that are the salt of the earth. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness. I'm grateful that you intersected human history. That you came as the very Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. I'm grateful for these friends and brothers and sisters gathered here today. Lord, there are thousands of years of experience gathered in this room. And there are children and grandchildren and friends that need what you invested in them. And I thank you for their sharing it with them. Thank you for the blessing they are to their churches, to their pastors. And I pray, Lord, that you give them good health Watch over us and protect us as we are becoming living translations of the truths of your word. Make us a danger to the kingdom of darkness. Lord, may we be the tip of the spear that plunges the gospel deep in the muscle tissue of a culture that has forgotten God. Thank you for your goodness. I pray that you'd bless the food that's been provided. We're grateful for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.